Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Well, St. Patrick's Day weekend, and, uh, and in honor of St. Patrick's Day, Devin is bringing something up to the platform right now, but in honor of St. Patrick's Day, I saw something on special at Walmart. Yep, yep, you know what it is. What is it? Lucky Charms. Charms. Come on, let's all sing it. Frosted Lucky Charms, they're magically delicious. See, you guys can sing that better than even the worship songs. You you know it. How many of you guys are just totally jealous of me? Some of you are not because you're thinking, I'm far above that cereal. Maybe not. I'm going to leave it right there. And you're going to want somebody in the service, and I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to be selfish about it. Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me, but I want you to, I want, you, you do need to know the truth. I was deprived of Lucky Charms when I was a kid. I got to watch the commercials. I didn't get Lucky Charms, and there are two reasons. My parents, especially mom, made it very clear. She said, that's called, that's sugar cereal. And I would think like, well, I mean, we eat Cheerios, and then I dump like four teaspoons of sugar on it, Mom. And I would think that, but I was like, well, you don't say it. You just think it. And, and then she said, and on top of that, she said, Lucky Charms, she said, it's about magic, and magic is, is from the devil, and, and if you eat Lucky Charms, I mean, that, that's, you could cause someone to stumble in the sin. So she had, she had, they basically taught me, and, and my parents didn't mean anything wrong by this, but they basically taught me that eating Lucky Charms was sinful. As soon as I got my own place, actually, it was when I finally went to Bible college to be a pastor, I got myself my own Lucky Charms, and I ate it in my dorm room with enthusiasm because I was set free from that. You know, I, I, I'm not in that bondage anymore, and I just tell you, when I saw these on sale at Walmart, I didn't care. I bought the Lucky Charms, and I got them, and I put them in my basket, and I liked it. Now, now, I I could have reacted and gotten angry with Christianity and say, well, Christianity has prevented me from enjoying Lucky Charms cereal, so I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. Now, a lot of people would agree with that, and uh, as if Christianity was kind of like wearing handcuffs. But today, I'm going to take off the gloves, and I'm going to go after this topic today, because this whole thing of, isn't Christianity like wearing handcuffs it's, it's kind of like this vacillation that's in people's minds really regarding what truth is and what they believe see christianity stands for something that we believe in which is absolute truth but a lot of people feel that hey that, that's just too narrow it's, it's kind of like wearing handcuffs so so right off the bat you know i want to make it clear where we're going today i just want you to take a look at this first of all there's two absolute truths i'm going to talk about today one is jesus is truth you may not understand exactly what that means but you're definitely going to get that by the time we're done today jesus himself is truth not tr- truth is not a concept it's a person 
I'm going to show you today why, why that works and, and how it works today. Um, it, it's a cultural feeling or it's a cultural belief that, that if God then is about absolute truth, then he's out to get you and he's out to beat you up. But that's actually not what it is because Jesus is truth. And, and there's a second absolute truth I'm talking about today. And this, this is that Jesus gives grace. See, Jesus, truth personified, gives grace, which is actually the opposite of what people say about God in Christianity. I mean, how many of you guys saw the interviews, the interviews, the online interviews that were done this week? You saw those on Instagram. Wait, raise your hand. I just want to see how many people, because I want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Six. All right. That's, that's all right. I'm, I'm glad. Now, I know not everybody's watching that, all right? But if you listen closely, and then you try to listen to it again, which gets kind of hard to do sometimes, but <laughs> you'll hear the people say things like this. Well, everybody just needs to think for themselves, and they need to believe what they want to believe. And that's actually where you find your own, your truth is there. See, whatever you believe is truth, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else, is your truth. Actually, I kind of got confused listening to it. So here, here, but that's the stuff that you guys hear and we all hear on a regular basis. What, what, what do you believe? Well, here's what I believe. It's foundational Christianity. I crammed it all into one statement, but it's important. I'm just going to put it up there, all right? This is, it is ab- here it is. It is absolutely true that Jesus shed his blood to liberate us. That means set us free from eternal death and grace. So today I'm going to propose that Christianity is the opposite of wearing handcuffs because I, we're supposed to be liberated. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I heard a rumor about your high school years and your business out of your car. Yeah, yeah, well, well, well sir, I, I, I can explain everything. No, no, you, you don't understand. Yeah, I, I was really a good guy. I, I, I was a pastor's kid. I was, I, was, I was doing good things for others. And Use your right to remain silent, please. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right, all right, all right, hold on. First of all, you, you just have to know, you know this, this is my first time to ever wear handcuffs, and you put them on me kind of like nicely, <laughs> gently, yeah, gently, you didn't slap them on me bad. But, um, and then, you know, you know what, when we were doing the run-through before the service, he's like, oh, now, where's that key? Where, where's the key? And I started panicking. So, sir, can you let me out? Yes, sir. See, okay, there's, this is powerful here, because I, I want you to notice something. It's, first of all, I'll, I'll just tell you right off the bat, it's not fun. This, this is not fun. It's not a good feeling. It pr- produces a lot of anxiety. Uh, now, some of you might know about that, but I'm not going to make a video. Let me hold on for just a second, sir, please. All right, because today I'm going to really talk about these two parts of the handcuffs that are really out there. See, Christianity is not the handcuffs, but there's one element I'm going to talk about today that cuffs us up, and there's a second, and so many people are bound up in both a lot of our culture is. That's where the real handcuffs are. I'm going to be talking about. Now, now listen, I'm not in handcuffs. In fact, I'm free from it, and I thank God I've never had to wear them. I hope I never have to again other than through an illustration. But how many of you guys will thank our officer for all he does for us? <laughs> you know, you just got to love Officer Ben. <laughs> yeah, really do. Uh, but wearing handcuffs is not Christianity at all. I want you to get your notes out. Get your notes out, something to write in. Get your Bibles, Bible apps out. And, and I'd like for you to open your Bibles up to John chapter 14, John 14, verse 6. Jot a few things down in your notes that God impresses you today because I think God will be speaking to your heart. Uh, John 14, 
6 in this message entitled, Isn't Christianity Like Wearing Handcuffs? As you get your Bibles open to John 14, 6, hold it there. Hey, our media and our education system basically propose that Christian is, Christianity is like culturally restrictive because everybody has these differing perspectives on truth, and Christians cannot claim to have truth. So the culture says that, that, that Christianity actually seeks to enslave its members, essentially putting handcuffs on them and determining for them that what, what they can do and what they can believe. Now, now, a lot of people actually believe that Christianity really does stifle creativity and growth. Um, there's this famous 20th century activist. Her name is Emma Goldman. She said this, and it's on the screens. I don't mind telling you what they say. She says, Christianity is the leveler of the human race is the breaker of man's will to dare and to do. It's an iron net. It's a straitjacket which does not allow him, a person, to expand or grow. Now, here's the problem with that. See, culture views freedom to mean that there is basically no overarching purpose in your life for which you were created, which is the opposite of our faith. Because if there was a purpose in your life, then you would be obligated, a culture says, to conform to it and fulfill that purpose. Hence, that purpose is limiting, so you just need to define whatever it is for yourself. See, the culture will say that true freedom is really the freedom just to create your own meaning, create your own purpose, and even create your own God. See, true freedom, they say, is creating your own truth. That's exactly what we heard in those interviews, even though the people said, yeah, church is great. But then they went on to say that. It's kind of dangerous. Um, I mean, I want to say that, that if you are the creator of truth, then you are actually creating God in your own image. And that's really dangerous, guys. But since everybody believes their own version of truth, like whatever it is, basically, the truth is then there is no truth at all. Uh, many people will say that, that if you say something is truth, then it's some type of a manipulative power play, and you're just trying to get power, or you're just trying to get control over someone else. So the culture has a responsibility to stamp out all claims to truth. And, but, but the reality is this, is truth is unavoidable. If you try to explain away all of the claims to truth, which the culture does, the culture is actually putting themselves in a very precarious position. It's a difficult position. And this is where I encourage you to think. I want the best thinkers in town to be right here. Think, think, think about it. Because if you say, if, if, if you say that all truth claims are power plays, then so is your statement. Wait a minute. You are saying then that you have truth on your side, and therefore, and you are saying you have the power to see through false claims of truth. And you have the power to judge someone on something, whether it is truth or not. Who are you, God? You have created God in your own image. It doesn't hold water because they become what they say they're against, even to an intense degree. Do you understand? basically saying you're pressing your truth on somebody that's what they're doing they're pressing their truth on somebody while they are denying that truth exists it's double talk it's double speak 
We're thinkers here. And, I, and I'll just tell you this. I believe in absolute truth. But the absolute truth is not a concept. It is the person of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ, Jesus is truth. And Jesus gives grace. Now, now here's the deal. Honestly, I want you guys to have a strong foundation for lasting relationships in your life. I want you to anchor yourself, and, and, and I want you to anchor yourself not with Tim or, or, or even City Life Church. I want you to anchor yourself in Jesus Christ and receive the grace of God that he gives you, and that will be an anchor. The truth is, though, at the same time, and I'm not afraid to say this, religion can also beat you down, saying that it has... Uh, the, the truth, religion sometimes creates these images of God out in our culture that are far from our truth, far from truth, and that's what the culture sees about how how religion portrays God. And, and first of all, I, want, I just want to say this: you should never, ever, ever base what you believe God thinks about you from other people's opinions or from the culture. You should only base your beliefs of what God thinks about you from the bible that's where we start see if you want to be liberated from the handcuffs of sin or the handcuffs of of just even religion and fear and doubt and self-hatred and negativity and defeat you you have to simply go to that one person and that's jesus you you might even think that you even deserve the handcuffs that are on your life that you're wearing right now. But I'll tell you, those are not God's plans for you. That's not God's thoughts for you. God does not want to bind you up. Here's what God says about you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you. He's saying, like, I've got plans for you. Now, actually, I know what they are. I, I, I know them. I've not told you everything, but I know what they are. And I'll just give you a glimpse. Here they are. Here they are. He says, they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future so in other words the best days for you are ahead and when you become a believer in jesus you become forgiven of sin and that actually brings liberation and freedom you break the handcuffs off you don't put them on why it's because when jesus enters the picture when truth comes into your life and you've received mercy your past no longer determines your future See, that's why it's called repentance, and, and repentance is really quite something quite, quite amazing. Repentance is what it is. It just means to, to turn and return to the truth of Jesus, to the cross, what Easter's about, and that's where we find grace. See, people are wearing handcuffs because they don't believe the truth can really set them free. That's a shame. Hey, it's St. Patrick's Day weekend, and I'm up, up here enjoying St. Patrick's Day my way by eating my Lucky Charms, which you don't get any, and, and even wearing a shirt that has a bit of green in it. Don't even think about pinching. You know, when you were a kid, you know, did, did you like pinch you? And I, I never understood where that tradition came from. I didn't like it you know, at all. And I would say, like, there's green on the toe of my sock. And they said, well, take your shoe off. Like, oh, man, I was lying again. You know, but, you know, some people celebrate St. Patrick's Day different ways. I celebrate by eating Lucky Charms, and, and some people are drinking green beer, and, and, uh, they all celebrate St. Patrick. And don't you think we're just making him so proud right now? Think about it. Wouldn't he just, if he could see us, I think he's doing something else right now. But he's like, I'm so proud of the way they're celebrating my day. 
I want to tell you about it. it really seems like the celebration which marks the day of his death, which is 87, uh, March 17th, AD 461. I believe it forgets its roots because it's not about lucky leprechauns. It's not about green food coloring in your drinks or cereal. Actually, St. Patrick is a perfect example of what I'm preaching today. See, Patrick was raised in a minister's home, in a pastor's home in England. And he felt it was too restrictive. It was like wearing handcuffs. Basically, Patrick decided he wasn't even going to serve God, and he was an atheist. He wanted freedom. In his quest for freedom, he strayed away from the home, and some uh, Irish guys came over, and they kidnapped him, found him out hanging out by himself. They kidnapped him, and they took, put him on their ship, and they took him back to Ireland, where Patrick became a slave. Now he's in bondage. What happened during those years is he began to pray, recalling the faith of his dad and his grandfather. He gave his life to Jesus. After he'd given his life to Jesus, uh, uh, he, began to, uh, he began to have these dreams and visions from God. He had a dream from God that said, if you want freedom, obey this. Start walking tomorrow, you know, such and such a day. Start walking in this direction until you get to the coast. And you're going to find a ship. You need to get on that ship, and it'll take you to England. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, several years after legitimate slavery, he did this and he went back home. When he got home, uh, he was a changed man. He studied ministry in the Bible, and, but during this time, God told him, again through another dream, to return to the land that had once held him in bondage so that those people could be free. Now, these were the Celts. These were idolaters. They were, they were polytheistic uh, and, and uh, they, were, they were very ugly people, <laughs> a lot of witchcraft and stuff, you know, what we would call it today. What he did, though, is he returned to that land of his captivity, and he preached freedom. And, and he, he preached about the, I mean, the power of God. The power of God was on his life. There, there are stories that he raised the dead, and he, he, he worked miracles. Uh, and, he, and then he began to build churches, and, and he would set people free. <laughs> he, was, he was actually setting the people free who were holding him in captivity years earlier using uh, even an illustration that God showed him because showing him like, no, there are not all these many gods. There's only one God, but there are three parts to God. He used the clover from Ireland to say one, two, three. Look, it's not the magic four-leaf clover. See, it's, it's a three. It's what God created, you know? You, you catching it? Yeah. He used that as an illustration. See, this is, this is it. See, he insisted that true freedom could only be found by embracing the truth, which is embracing Jesus and receiving the grace of God. See, truth changed Ireland through St. Patrick because he preached about the liberating grace of Jesus that the God could wipe everything away and you can start brand new. As a result of that, Ireland was shaken with the gospel of Jesus. And uh, therefore... On the day of his death, they decided they wanted to commemorate it. And centuries later, here we are still today, hundreds of years later, celebrating that. They celebrated it, past tense, as a holy day. The reason for the day was so that we could all remember what St. Patrick did and that we will strive to do what he did. So happy St. Patrick's Day. I said happy St. Patrick's Day. 
I think we should do the best celebration of St. Patrick's Day right here, right now. I and mean, we'll do St. Patrick's Day this way. We'll do Palm Sunday next Sunday. We'll do Easter Sunday. Wait, wait, come on. We just got a lot that's coming out there. And here's the way to do it. It's right here. It's let truth change your life. And what is truth? Truth is Jesus. See, people have all kinds of beliefs about truth. Uh, whatever your, your truth is and whatever your belief is, I mean, you would actually be wise to really believe what Jesus taught in the Bible about truth itself. I mean, he taught that there is only one truth and that the truth was, was him. It's not a concept. It's a man. It's God. And he unlocks your spiritual handcuffs with the grace that flows through him. So, so Jesus is truth, and Jesus gives what? Grace. Truth himself is the giver of grace. Jesus is not. Christianity is not the giver of bondage. Jesus said it himself, and you see it. It's in front of you. John 14, 6. You should have this underlined in your Bible, stars by it, circles around it, smiley faces, star, whatever it takes to draw attention to it, highlight in 15 different colors, maybe green. Here, here, here it is. Jesus says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Now, I've taught you about the way, which is, you know, Jesus is the adventure highway for us, and, and he's your highway to eternity. And I've taught you about the life, that Jesus gives us the full life, the abundant life, a life to the full and eternal life in Jesus. But I'm also here to say he is also truth. Jesus is truth in the flesh. <laughs> and at the same time, Jesus even gave us teaching about the opposition, which is Satan, which is the father of lies. And he said that, you know, Satan produces lies. So if Jesus is truth and Satan is a lie, then, okay, now you have a good picture here of what this is all about. You see, I'm Tim Woody. I'm the father of three young men, uh, Preston, Devin, and Ian. They carry my name. But Satan is the father of lies. And so what he begets, well, what comes from him are, are lies. So all lies originate with him. It's kind of like lies should be his last name, you know, devil lies, Satan lies, or whatever. It's the opposite of Jesus. Jesus is truth. Satan is lie. Do, do you understand that? Satan, the father of lies, he typically uses his best weapon that he's used from day one when he started temptation it was like like wait a minute what did god really say what's all what's all this about see what he does is he twists our minds so subtly that we fall for it it all started in the garden of eden we look at the command god gave a command in the garden of eden and it's found in genesis 2 17 here it is it says god said you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and there's a punishment that says, for when you eat from it, you'll certainly die. Well, okay, again, look at the truth. What's the command? Do not eat from the tree. Got it? You got that in your head? Okay. Now, here you're going to see how man falls into bondage because there's really two sides to it. It's religion and it's also sin. Those two things are bondage. And when I'm talking about religion, I'm not talking about what we're doing here. But religion, what it does it takes, the, takes what God has said, and it adds extra stuff to it. Okay, take a look. Back to the scripture. Now, this is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 2. Follow along with me. Just two, two verses here. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? And, and I've, I've thought, yeah, what did he say? It was like, He's like, did God really say? Did God really say? Or did God really say? <laughs> I don't know how he said it, but every way you put it, 
he, he's, he's jabbing at this. He's trying to twist her mind that you must not eat from any tree in the garden. See, the ten, now he's doing the temptation to sin. He's questioning truth. You see that? He's creating doubt. He's making truth vague. Now, the woman responds, and she says, the woman says to the serpent, well, we may eat. Now, that's good. The good answer. You're talking about, you see, because he's bringing up what you can't do. And she's like, no, we can eat from any tree in the whole, all the garden. Well, but, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that's uh, in the middle of the garden. And, and, and God also said, you must not even touch it, or you're going to die. Now, wait, 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 wait. That's not what God said. Religion always adds to it. So when you get temptation and you start adding stuff to the gospel, you've got sin and religion working together, and then you're now doubting God's truth because it's too hard. See, religion exaggerated, added to the truth, and it made a mess. And basically, what was happening at that moment, they were slapping, bam, bam, sin, and religion, those handcuffs onto themselves. Because religion will always stretch the truth to make serving God harder. I'm telling you guys, it's a trap. No wonder the world sees Christianity as like wearing handcuffs because that's what, what so often is portrayed out there. I'm just telling you, eating Lucky Charm cereal is not going to send you to hell, all right? Or even as I was told as a kid, if, you know, if, if you're in a movie theater and Jesus returns, I didn't see a movie until I was 17 years old. I went to see E.T. and I prayed for God to forgive me when I was done. But if you go to a movie theater and Jesus comes when you're at the movie theater, you won't go to heaven. When you walk out of that movie theater and realize, oh, great, I'm in the tribulation. Well, I'm stuck now. You see, religion is like wearing handcuffs, but not Christianity. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you will know the truth. You're not just head knowledge. Know is to relate to, to understand. You will know Jesus. Get that? You will know the truth. You will know Jesus. And the truth, Jesus, will set you free. Come on, let's just exchange that word truth for Jesus. Say, oh, I'm, I, I'm getting excited about this. I'm pumped today. All right. Hey, you know what? I have rewritten this sermon three times. I've had people texting me and emailing me all week. Can we meet? Can we talk? I just ignore it all because I keep rewriting it. And so I'm pretty pumped, okay? Here we go. You will know Jesus, got that? And Jesus will set you free. Do you get it, guys? The truth is Jesus. I, and I want, uh, we want, Jesus wants people to be set free from addictions and religious bondages and he wants you to be set free from sin through the message of truth and grace. The stories of freedom that we hear over and over at City Life Church are a part of that. That's why we tell those stories, because Jesus is truth, and Jesus gives grace. Now, the, the, the scriptures say that the Spirit of God, it, it says that the Spirit of God is on us when we, when we spread the good news. That's why, that's why it's so important. You know, Easter, we want as many people here as possible because it's about getting the good news out. And the scriptures say the Spirit of God is upon us when we do that. To, we can declare the good news of truth, the truth of Jesus. And then what happens there is Jesus then extends grace to everyone if you're willing to accept it. And if you accept the grace, the results that the Bible says, and this is Old Testament and New Testament, it says the curse of poverty is going to be broken off of people's lives. It says the broken hearts are going to be mended. It says the prisoners and oppressed people are going to be set free. And the sightless people are going to regain sight. And that's all through preaching the truth, Jesus, of the amazing grace of Jesus. And that's why we that's why we see what's happening in a city life. It's because 
I'm insisting on this. We're going to preach the truth. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to preach about the grace of God. John 1, 17 says something very interesting, and I want you to look at this. This is a powerful scripture. Uh, it says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, that's very important because that's a contrast statement. The law, let me help you understand this. This is, this is what God gave to Moses at Mount Sinai. Would have been, let's just say, basically the Ten Commandments. I know there were more with it, but let's just say the Ten Commandments. And this was a covenant that God made with Israel, okay? God made this covenant with Israel. You, you obey these commands, and you know, I'm going to bless you. And what Moses introduced was a band-aid, and God knew it all along. It wasn't perfect. That's why God set up, even from the beginning, that we would have to have a new covenant. Instead of God's old covenant, that's why in the Bible there's Old Testament and New Testament. You know what that means? That means the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant. Now, now just that's a little more fun, fun there for you. But the New Covenant starts at the cross of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate this next Sunday and the next one. And grace and truth came through Jesus. See, a lot of people, they, they confuse law with truth. That's the biggest confusion. Law means truth. They're not the same. This right here, my friend, is a contrast statement. Law, not truth, was given through Moses. You see that? But grace and truth came through Jesus. So, so look, truth is on the side of grace, not the law. John, John 1, 17 is a very, very interesting text. Go back to that. I want you to look at it again. And see, in the original language, in the original Greek language, these words grace and truth, they're actually lumped together as one item because where, you says, where it says came through, that, that's actually a Greek verb that, that combines the two. And that you, it's not our language, so we don't fully understand it, but it combines the words grace and truth and it merges them together and makes them inseparable. It's like welding two pieces of steel together you're not going to get them separated you see that so grace is truth and truth sets people free grace and truth cannot be separated my friend it is a composite whole jesus is truth grace can't be separated from truth. it, it, it was seen in the ministry of jesus and i want you to listen to this story i'm going to read it to you it's from john chapter number eight and uh it's a story of when some religious people brought this woman uh, who was caught in adultery to Jesus. And I just want you to listen to it. I'm going to read it to you from the message version of the Bible. It says, The religion scholars and the Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Of course, right there I'm thinking, well, where's the dude? You know, but I don't know how he got out of this. They stood her in plain sight of everyone. This is when Jesus was teaching. They, these guys... These guys basically stormed one of Jesus' services, it was outdoors, and, and brought this woman, pushed her right into the middle of the crowd, and made a big scene. They interrupted his teaching, and they said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses, in the law, okay, gives orders to stone such persons. What do you say? Dun-dun-dun. Law being confronted by truth. And what comes from truth? Grace. Watch out. This is about to get crazy, all right? It says they were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. I have no idea what he's doing. I don't even care. And then, but they kept at him, badgering him. Which means sometimes, just, you don't have to give your answers all that fast. 
Well, Jesus straightened up and he said, okay, the sinless one among you go first. Throw the first stone. Wait, who was the sinless one? Exactly, Jesus. There was a sinless person there. I was taught in Sunday school, nobody there had, was sinless. Like, yeah, there was, Jesus. Hearing that, they walked away, one after the other, beginning with the oldest, and the woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? She says, no one, Master. And Jesus said, well, neither do I. Truth overcame the law. You see that? What flowed from truth? Grace. So he said, go on your way. From now on, don't sin. See, religion wants to nail you for your faults and your sins. Religion wants to lessen you and teach you something and, 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 and humiliate you. Religion even wants to put you into handcuffs. She was in the handcuffs. One side was sin, the other was religion, and she was doomed. You see that? But Jesus broke both through truth and grace. What Jesus then said to the woman, he said, go and sin no more. What did that mean? Well, that was grace and truth, the composite whole in action. See, because grace doesn't condone, doesn't condemn the sinner, but grace also does not condone the sin. See, grace pardons the undeserving sinner. And the result is now just go and sin no more. God gives you power over sin. You lose your appetite for it. Things begin to change. That's why I tell people, when you receive Christ, hang around here for a good six months. Stay in the Word of God. Watch the change that happens. And that is, that is amazing. Jesus told them, truth in the flesh. He told them the truth right there. And he loves the sinner, and he empowers the sinner to go and sin no more then jesus becomes your security he is now your source of love and protection jesus is now your source of affirmation you don't have to go somewhere else to find that he just gives it to you he's truth he's grace and you're free you don't have handcuffs on anymore make it clear today you don't have to settle for a life in handcuffs of sin or religion jesus set that woman free from her sin Jesus set that woman free from religion. Her handcuffs were off that day. And how? Again, by truth. Jesus Christ giving grace. Bam, you're free. You're liberated. You know, there are people who go to church, like churchgoers, go to church every single Sunday. I was one of them when I was a kid. They live in constant fear that they're going to hell. I did. Um, That's because religion, and, and I don't think it comes from people who are trying to twist things. I don't think there's a wrong intent behind it. I just think it's ignorance of the truth of Jesus. But um, it's people putting rules and restrictions on themselves, and it causes people to have fear. And, and just like Eve, religion adds extra stuff that God never even said. When I was a kid, I was taught this, and some of you may have been taught this, and, and I'll, I'll just blow it up. You know, I'll just tell the truth here. I told the truth about my little secret business, you know, a few months, a few weeks ago. 
But when I was a kid, I was taught that sin is sin, and even the smallest sin will send you to hell because all sin is equal. The smallest sin will send you straight to hell. I remember straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And I recall a Sunday school class in junior high, and in the Sunday school class, this was being taught, and I remember one of the boys had the audacity to ask this question that I was thinking, but I knew better than to ask it because, you know, I'm the pastor's kid. Okay, he said, so if you get into a car wreck and you cuss and you take God's name in vain just before you crash and then you die instantly, are you going to hell? Remember the teacher said, sin is sin. If you didn't have time to ask God to forgive you, you'll go straight to hell. I remember thinking, crap. It's like, oops, no, 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 it's sin. Uh, you, You see what I'm saying, guys? She meant well. But um, the truth is, I, I did live in handcuffs. Lucky Charms in movie theaters. We were in bondage. We were in a form of prison. But that's not the gospel, my friend. That's not religion. And, and if, if that's part of your background, I don't know wh- wh- where you come from, but you can be free from that. And thank God I'm free from that now. See, grace doesn't give you a license to sin either. Grace actually causes your appetite to change towards sin. And grace actually lifts people out, lifts you out. There are stories all around here of people that I've known some of you long enough to know. Sin has, uh, grace has lifted you out of self-destructing cycles of sin, now giving you abundant life. Isn't that the truth? It's a life to the full because Jesus is truth and Jesus gives grace. And there is no condemnation when you receive the grace of Jesus. So only people wearing handcuffs needlessly. Christianity doesn't give them to you. Why? It's just because they don't really believe in Jesus, the truth. He is the truth, and he gives grace. Will you pray with me right now? I want you just to close your eyes for just a moment. Please, everyone in this room, just focus internally. Maybe you're here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus, to truth. <laughs> Maybe you've drifted from your relationship with God and you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about. You, you really want a new beginning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond simply by lifting your hand because faith is when we respond outwardly to what is stirring inwardly. Here's the truth. Jesus loves you more than you can imagine and he died for you so that you can have life and everything can change today. If you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and surrender your life completely to Jesus, then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three so I can connect my faith with yours because today I want to see some handcuffs fall off. Would you raise your hand right now? One, two, three. Lift your hand. Say, that's what I, that's what I need today. I need the grace of Jesus. I need the truth and the grace of Jesus. Thank you so much. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to want you to all stand with me, please. I'm going to, and if you, if you lifted your hand and you want to pray this prayer with me, I want you to pray with all your heart. I'd like every believer in here to pray this prayer and mean it as well. Don't do this as just some kind of a memorized action. Do this with faith every time you pray it because it encourages others who are praying it for the first time. Pray this. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you are truth. Please forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. 
By your grace, I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. And I will go and sin no more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can keep in touch with what is coming this season through social media and our City Life app. And Sunday, our favorite day of the week is on its way. We hope to see you at City Life.